0: I appreciate you being on the show. How are you?
1: I'm good. Happy to be here.
0: It's been a long time, man. I think the last time we saw each other was you were at Temple University. You were at one of your events at the Lea Corps Center. What was that? Five, six, seven years ago? I'm not even sure.
1: <laughs> you know, after so many games, they all start to run together. Run together. <laughs> no, the, sure. years do. the years do. Yeah, I'm sure.
0: Well, Chris, man, I'm super excited to have you on here as a very special guest. Chris is probably the most influential, well-traveled old friend that I know. He's visited every state in the United States. He's visited 83 countries, and he's passionate about making the world a better place, which I think defines the podcast here as constructing greatness. That's what Chris has done. He's constructed his greatness. He's a professional athlete and a motivational speaker. Chris and I met what was back in 5th? sixth grade. Does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, about that. <laughs> about,
0: about 37 years ago, showing <laughs> <chilling> our age.
1: <laughs>
0: At Susquehanna Township High School, that's suburbs of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And what I remember most about you, Chris, is your positive energy, just always an attitude, just always positive. You could see you were destined for greatness, man.
1: Oh, thanks a lot, man. Absolutely. I like what.
0: I appreciate it. So your path, you're a Harlem Globetrotter. When did you know that was your dream? I know you talk about it being a lifelong dream. When exactly did you know that?
1: Um, Ironically, I was six years old. I uh, saw the Globetrotters on the cartoon Scooby-Doo. I knew I either wanted to solve mysteries or play for the Globetrotters. Uh, So I picked up a ball and never put it back down and been trying to do it ever since. I was actually at a young age on the ground dribbling the ball trying to imitate the Harlem Globetrotters. It was my introduction to basketball. Yeah. Um, and, and that was my goal.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I failed to mention that you were also known in high school for your handles, your ability to to dribble the rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when did you get that nickname, by the way? Um, I actually
1: got it in high school. That's what I thought. That's yeah. I thought. So in, yeah. during the summer leagues, there was a guy, I played on the summer league team, Sean yeah. Broden. He, uh, he would give everybody nicknames, and he always say he would always say you have handles, and he just started calling me handles. And one summer we had a real good basketball team. He had everybody's nickname on their shorts and across their backside. Uh, uh, I mean on their shirt and on the backside of their shorts. And uh, <laughs> it, it's been with me ever since. So like tenth, eleventh grade, maybe tenth grade.
0: Yeah, I remember you dribbling the ball when you were on your knees playing a game a few times.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You you always could handle, man.
1: Ironically, I practiced that stuff, so it, it worked well when I fell.
0: <laughs> now you have a Guinness Book of World Records. What is that exactly? What is the record?
1: The longest on the knees backwards shot. So um, it's usually a shot I do. Uh, you know the Globetrotters are synonymous with their half court trick shots, and that's usually a shot I shoot from half court during the games. But I wanted to make it a a record that no one could break. Mm -hmm. So I went about as far as I possibly can go, which is pretty much from about inside the opposite top of the key, Uh over the head, backwards on my knees.
0: I've seen it. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. So when you you went to Lock Haven University to play college basketball, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Did you you play all four years?
1: No. Actually, I played – Three years. Three years. Okay. Two, well, two and a half, okay. you know, at Lock Haven. And when I went to transfer, I actually went to transfer, and I transferred for my final year to Barton College in North Carolina. Okay. And uh, Barton College, I finished out basketball. Then I went back to Lock Haven University, and I received my degree. And after I received my degree, I went right into grad school, went straight in to get my master's degree. After I got my master's degree, I I really went after my dream, which was to be a Globetrotter.
0: Okay. So you went for social work for college, correct?
1: Yeah. Bachelor's and master's in social work with a concentration in community organization.
0: Did you ever have a a normal job?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Actually, um, I worked in the field for a little bit. So I uh, I was a child therapist. Okay. And I would work with kids. At the same time, I was still... Touring, you know, I mean, still touring on these different units and teams. And then uh, I had my big break with a Nike commercial, and I still was doing a little bit part-time while playing professional ball. Okay. What's your favorite
0: country that you've been to on all your travels?
1: Well, you know, I like different countries for different reasons. I'm a big history buff, so I love divulging into the history of these countries. If I had to pick one favorite, it would probably be Australia. Okay. I like Australia because it's it's not only beautiful, all the towns are really beautiful places, but you're on the other side of the world and you, and you still can understand what people are saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't have the language barrier. And uh, so it was, it was just really, really a great place to tour. And I enjoyed it there.
0: Very cool. I hear they're very friendly there, too.
1: Yeah, they are. They really enjoyed the American culture and, and what we brought. Mm -hmm. um as globetrotters i got a chance to experience a lot of things you know held a koala bear and fed that and uh you know held a wombat and fed that very cool fed the kangaroos and things of that nature so i just had some amazing experiences there very cool chris
0: so your lifelong dream at six years old you went after it right after college and how long did it take you to finally get there
1: a long time, actually. You know, it was ironically, I didn't know how to get to the Harlem Globetrotters. So I sent them a tape. You know, it was a long time ago when mm-hmm. I'm sending a tape. <laughs> they don't <laughs> make tapes no more. So I made a unique tape of just things that I, I did. And they were interested. There was a guy, Orlando Antigua, who played for the Globetrotters. When I was at grad school at Pitt, he would come back to Pitt. He had played at the University of Pittsburgh. And I got him this tape and... They got it to the Globetrotters, and they were interested. But that year, it was an NBA lockout. And right before I was supposed to fly out to camp, like, they called me. I had turned down. I had actually had an offer to, to teach a program at Pitt, at the University of Pittsburgh. And um, I turned down that job, turned down all my jobs. And in the last second, they pulled out. It was an NBA lockout, and all these players that were going into the NBA draft ended up going to the Globetrotters, and I was stuck. Um, the door closed, so then I just worked the avenue, so I moved, went signed a contract, played with this team out in Colorado then uh, played moved to New York City and played with a the team there and Once I moved to New York, kind of started making a name for myself as far as a ball handler on another level and then I got my uh, my big break This was years later I got my big break with um, I actually was a replacement. Um, for the world's best dribbler contest. So they had the world's best dribblers on all these cities, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Atlanta. And after they would win their respective cities, they would compete nationally, All-Star Weekend. It was a Nike competition. And a friend of mine had won New York City, but he had gotten an accident and he couldn't do it. So um, the day before, you know, He was telling me about it, and I sheepishly asked if if I could do it. (laughs) And, um, you know, he made a couple calls, and I was a replacement. So I drove down to Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C., All-Star Weekend, and, you know, I was a replacement. And it was weird. It was uh, Nike was—I'm in a room with all the winners from all these cities, and Nike gave me a free jacket, two pair of sneakers, and a Nike gym bag. So I didn't care whether I won or lost. I was just happy to get all that free stuff. <laughs> and they turned that when we competed that evening, it was judged by Vince Carter, Gary Payton, Rasheed Wallace. Oh, wow. The Jason Kidd, And I was representing New York City. And I remember I'm watching all of these people do all of this stuff warming up. And I'm seeing stuff I've never seen. And the crowd start rolling in, and they're working on all these cool tricks. And I'm just on the side watching. And the head of Nike New York came and said, aren't you going to practice? Aren't you going to warm up? And I said, no, nah, I'm okay. See, I've been preparing for that moment all my life, just waiting to get a chance. Did you say that? I didn't yeah. say that, but okay. I was thinking. I yeah. just said, no, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, man, I just want to get out here and show what I mm-hmm. can do. And I didn't know how it would fare, but right. I ended up getting a, a perfect score of all 10s, won the entire competition, and Nike said they wanted to do commercials. Oh, wow. And, and after I won that World's Best Dribbler contest, I auditioned. Well, I actually didn't have to audition for my first commercial. I think over a 1,000 people auditioned, and they narrowed it down. And then at my first Nike commercial, which was called Freestyle, that commercial went off and just changed changed my life overnight. So yeah. that commercial ended up winning, winning 13 awards, an S B award. It's currently in the African American History Museum forever. So and after cool. that commercial, it was just my life changed overnight.
0: Great story, man. I love it. I love it. So you've been a Harlem Glow Trotter now for just over 13 years, right?
1: Yeah. I believe actually, you just I was under contract with Nike for 5 years, I- Okay. I, I was under, under contract with Nike for five years and was known as one of the best dribblers in the world. And eventually the globe trotters came looking for me. So ironically, I had been looking for the Globetrotters and it wasn't working. But once <laughs> I became known as, as one of the best in the world. They, they came after you. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, the ironic thing about that is, you know, I remember when it didn't work out. Right. That was in 1999. And when that didn't work out, I was, like, so devastated, right? And if I would have gotten on the Globetrotters back there in 99, there's nobody on the team that's still around from that Uh time. Uh So I probably wouldn't be on the team either, of course. And then on top of that, I wouldn't have got a chance to do all these amazing things. Like, I did LeBron James' first commercial. I did the MTV Music Awards live on national TV with rap artist Jay-Z. I did a Broadway play with L.L. Cool j Toured all over the world, filming LeBron James' first commercial. Just all these amazing things. Yeah. Because I ultimately failed in 99. And then I came back and got a whole other career after that career ended. So that's why I always tell people, man when one door closes, it just may not be your time. Yeah. It's opening up doors for other opportunities. Yep. You know.
0: Failures are lessons, right? And you figured it out. You figured it out.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, yeah,
0: Great stuff, man. Great stuff. So, tell us a little bit about your foundation.
1: Well, it's my charitable wing, Han- Chris Handel's Franklin Foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, uh, originally, I always had done charitable work. And about five years ago, I made it official. So I started off wanting to redo a park, renovate a a basketball court in a um, low-income neighborhood in the city on 4th and Emerald in Harrisburg, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. And they had wanted to fix this court for maybe 20 years. And they had dedicated the court to a community leader that helped raise me, Coach Campbell. And the park was all right, but the court was horrible. So we tried to raise money To get the courts fixed, and when we couldn't, you know, I had had to put up or shut up. So I ended up helping to renovate that court. We resurfaced it. We put up glass backboards. We put a mural of Coach Campbell in the middle, and we redid the whole court. And once the city saw that we were able to do that, they matched the money, and they put in new LED lights and new fencing, and it just turned into this beautiful, beautiful park that kept kids out of trouble and kept kids busy. You know. Personally, I think that kids are a lot less active with video games and, yes. and the Internet. Yes. So I wanted to try to do something to, to help get kids active again. And, mm-hmm. and um, so that was my first basketball court. So I went on to, since then to do three other courts since then. And also, so my foundation is my charitable wing. We renovate basketball courts every single year. We give away turkeys and Thanksgiving dinners to needy families. During Christmas, we uh, not only help feed the homeless, but we provide coats, hats, scarves, toiletries to homeless families. Just some of the things we do. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, we've we've done a number of different things throughout the community and and hope to continue to do great things in the community.
0: I'm sure you will. That sounds great, man. It really does. Outside of, of work, what do you do? you're passionate about hobbies obviously you're passionate about your your charitable work but like anything outside of where you just you're passionate about work and that's it
1: (laughs) yeah well you know you know it's ironically you know it's cliche but people say if you work your hobby you'll never work a day in your life yeah i mean that's what i do like the things that i do for work and I mean, it's the stuff that I love to do. I love helping people. I love, love helping others. You know, my parents passed that gene on to me. My father was a police officer. My mother worked in a hospital. You know, we were that family where anything that was going, a problem in the neighborhood, they would knock on my father's door all hours and other night. And he would try to help them. And I, I mean, I think I was raised that way. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's in my DNA to help others. And I really find joy in helping other people. So, like, a lot of those things are my hobbies. Mm-hmm. So I stay busy, you know. As as Harlem globetrotters, we on the on the road, man, for probably six, seven months out of the year. Mm-hmm. We play over two hundred and fifty games a year. Yeah. So when I come home, I mean, that we're a different city every single day. So when I come home, it hasn't sl- it doesn't slow down. It actually gets a little more hectic because, mm-hmm. uh, at least on the road, I'm just worried about myself. At home, I'm worried about you know my family, my community. So I stay busy with it, man. I spend time with family quite often Mm -hmm. and try to help out people in our community. You know, I've been taught uh, to whom much is given, much is required. (laughs) And uh, we got to try to do what we can, especially for the youth out here. Yeah. So those are my hobbies, man.
0: What do you think uh, is in your future after you're done with the Globetrotters, whenever that may be, where do you see yourself
1: heading? Yeah. Well, you know, ironically, you know, I I usually speak about this too, is that when your ultimate goal, when you've achieved your ultimate goal, like what is next? What do you do after you achieve your ultimate goal? And my ultimate goal was to be a Globetrotter. Now I've been doing this for 13 years. I never thought I'd be on my fourth, currently on my 14th year of being a hard Globetrotter, especially at the age, you know, when I got to the Globetrotters, it was at a time where most people are retiring. So People, man, they told me I was too old to be a Harlem Globetrotter. The old Globetrotters told me that. It's too late. Your time has passed. So, I mean, one thing I've learned is that, you know, it's never too late to be great. It's never too late to do what your dreams are, to do what your aspirations are. Yes. So for me, I started setting new goals. And a lot of those is the growth of my foundation and doing my charitable work. A lot of those things I've been writing, I've been writing a book for a while and I'm hoping for that to come out soon. But also awesome. I, I'm passionate about the field of social work, helping others in that aspect. So I'm looking at some programs that I'm looking to start coming around soon. Um, so all of those things are in my horizon. And um, I'm blessed enough to be one of the few players that the Globetrotters invested in. So whereas most people, when their career ends, they're done. I'm still a player, but I'm also on the coaching staff. I'm also one of the scouts for the Globetrotters. So I've been able to diversify okay. and, and continue to, to make a way if that's an option. Mm-hmm. And for me, as long as I'm passionate of doing it and I love doing it, I'll continue. And when, when I no longer have the love for it, it's time for me to do something different. And ironically, COVID brought a lot of these things to reality. You know, I've always been so much on the go. I never got a chance to stop and and think. I mean, I'm always go, 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 yeah. go, go, go. You go, slow go, down. Go. Yep. So yeah. So the forced stoppage was actually a blessing for me. Yep. Yeah. It was a forced slowdown. And I think my body and my mind needed it. So now I'm back to reading. I probably read about 14, 15 books during COVID, during the break. And uh, I think it's, it's always about making yourself better, continuing to learn. And so I'm, I'm excited about some, some future things in the horizon.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. And COVID has certainly helped me slow down too. And, and, uh, this podcast is one thing that I got done. It's something I wanted to do for, you know, almost a year now. And I had time to, to do it. And, uh, it's just a passion project. And again, Chris, I really appreciate you, uh, you joining me on, uh, this is my fourth episode. And thank you again for being here, man.
1: Honored to be on. Honored to be on.
0: I appreciate it. And you answered my question. I actually was going to ask you about COVID and what that's done for you. And and you answered that and and, and also what it takes to be great and stay passionate. And you pretty much explained that as well. What are you working on right now outside of what you mentioned? You're you're writing a book. Um,
1: Well, you know, I'm very interested in... um, right now there's you know i'm not sure when we'll get back to touring and mm-hmm. i think when that's the case you know obviously as an organization with the globetrotters it's it's about the players and the people coming to see you play it's about ensuring their safety mm-hmm. so um you know you just never know when that is so for me I'm i'm back into child therapy working in that field a little bit also um Working with kids on a one-on-one basis and trying to create young leaders. I mean, I think all those things are important. I mean, so those are sort of some of the, those are some of the current things I'm, I'm working on. I actually have um, the neighborhood I grew up in, uh, Edgemont. The Edgemont Firehouse. I actually that's where my foundation is housed. So growing up, it was it was a firehouse. Now it's the home of my foundation. And so I'm looking to start a youth program and and helping out. In the community, out of that building.
0: Okay. So you currently reside in Harrisburg?
1: Yeah, never. Actually, never. You know, never left. Really. Okay. Well, I, you know, coming up, I, uh, I, I spent a couple years in New York City, and I think one year in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I've always been back in Harrisburg. Even when I'm on tour, I, I have a home here in in Harrisburg. But I, uh, you know, I leave and come back. So when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm home, I'm home.
0: Could you see yourself live anywhere else, or? Harrisburg's home.
1: Well, Harrisburg is home for me. You know, like you said, I had a chance to travel to all 50 states in, mm-hmm. uh, in 84 countries around the globe. So I've been able to experience different cultures and ethnicities all over the globe and, yeah. you know, experience people all over the globe. It's always always good to get, get back home, you know. So a lot of people watch me try to do what I'm doing right now. Trying to be a Harlem Globetrotter all my life. Watch me dribbling up and down the street and and, mm-hmm. and making noise all over the place. So it's always gratifying to get back to to quote Cheers, where everybody knows your name. So <laughs> Harrisburg is uh is home.
0: Yeah. Do you still keep in touch with any of the, our old high school friends? Do you see anybody or?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, still. Great friends with the same friends. Mm-hmm. So we still stay in contact quite frequently. Great. And we never never fell out of touch, actually. So we all, the same friends I had then are the same friends I have now. So, great. so it's been good. You know, and, and, you know, ironically, what I do is I'm able to, as I travel around the world, it's always great when I'm able to see people from home on mm-hmm. the road. And, you know, some of the weirdest places, I remember I was playing in Denver and Pepsi arena and I'm on a bench and someone's screaming my, my government name that no one knows. So people know me as Chris or as handles, but my government name is Christian, which most people don't know unless you knew me a long time. You know, my name is Christian. I just never went by that. Right. And somebody kept screaming, Christian, Christian. And I look and coming down the steps with somebody that I grew up with in my neighborhood that went to Susquehanna okay. and he was living way out in Denver and was at the game. So, you know, it's, it's weird being in different places in Dubai, seeing people from Susquehanna uh, uh, high school. So I mean, it's, it's always been an awesome experience.
0: No, I can't imagine Chris traveling 83, 84 countries. I have a bucket list and I'm hitting them slowly. Hitting them slowly, but I have a lot to catching up to do to you, that's for sure. <laughs> as far as the traveling.
1: <laughs> well, that's the way to do. Just mark them off.
0: Mark them off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anyone wants to get a hold of you for any reason, how can they contact you? What's the best way to contact Chris Handles?
1: Well, I'm rather active on social media. Instagram, Twitter, Chris Handles. C-H-R-I-S-H-A-N-D-L-E-S. Um, then my foundation, of course, is... um handles org. Okay. So both of those ways are probably the best way, my social media or through the foundation website.
0: What would you say you're most active on what social media platform?
1: Probably Instagram. Instagram. Probably Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm probably most active on Instagram, but I try to stay current with the times. Mm -hmm. It took some relearning, but, uh, you know, you know, half of the my teammates are fresh out of college, so they try to keep me current with what's going on.
0: <laughs> it's so it's so easy for them, right? It's so easy for them. Social media. <laughs> <laughs> well, great, man. Again, I appreciate it. Do you have any questions for me?
1: No, I'm uh, you know just like I said, I'm honored to reconnect and honored to be on the show. So, just happy uh, we were able to connect. I actually. Uh, Glad we were able to make it happen. I actually was late the first time, of course. Glad a meeting me with the mayor, which some interesting stuff coming. Hopefully, some good things. But happy to be able to be on the show and and speak with you,
0: Chris. Me too, man. It's always a pleasure. And um, you mentioned that you're not playing as much now; you're more coaching. Like,
1: no, well, I'm, I'm still playing. You are still playing. Okay. Yeah. One thing that I've learned, especially in this field is, uh, you know, the more boxes you fill, the more important you are. I mean, I th- in life, you have to make yourself important to the organization. Mm-hmm. And whatever organization, whatever business you're whatever field you're working in, you make yourself as important as possible. And I think what makes me important to the organization is because I can do so many things. There's only but so many showmen, like what Metal Art did, the person that's mic'd up. There's not a lot of people that can do it. So I do that. Mm-hmm. I'm able to dribble. I'm able to do the interviews. I'm able to coach and take a team and run that team and mm-hmm. run that organization and coach. I'm one of the scouts. So because I fill so many boxes and I'm, I'm versatile, I've been able to make myself important to the organization. So, mm-hmm. But I'm still playing. I'm still playing full-fledged. And and, and right now, um, probably would be playing a, a lot more because I would imagine – our sizes will probably shrink. That would be my guess. I'm not sure. So mm. I think I'll be playing a lot more. So that's another goal <laughs> of mine is to make sure this old body stays in shape.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you define being a high achiever and a learner, which is what you keep doing. Did you ever take those personality traits where where you take it and they, they give you 34 categories of personalities? If you take them, I bet you uh, achiever and learner would probably be your top five within you in your top five.
1: Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna have to check that out. No. I'll
0: send you a link. It's really cool. You know, it's about a hundred questions and it spits you out very detailed reports about your personality and you'll be like, wow. Yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> They're pretty neat.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll be looking for it. <laughs> I'll be looking for that.
0: Chris, man, appreciate it again. Great reconnecting, man.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I'll be looking forward to hearing, hearing from you. And, uh, and talking to you soon, hopefully get you out to a game when we get back on the road. I'd
0: uh, love to. I'd love to see you again. I think, like I said, it was about seven years ago. The kids were little, but we had a lot of fun.
1: That's all right, man. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah.
0: Good to see you, brother. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll connect with you soon on social media. You, did you have something else?
1: No, no. That's okay. it.
0: Good to see you. Yeah, man. Thank you again. Talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Constructing Greatness podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at nicholasofac at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.